This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's meteorologist Mike Prianti here, producer for the Weather Lounge. I wanted to just jump in here real quick before the episode starts to give some context because you might actually hear in the episode some references to summertime. Well, we actually aired this episode back in July of 2023, and we're now reposting it again as we head into the upcoming winter season. So just be aware of that as you're heading into the episode. But of course, this episode is very specific to the snow and ice industry. So if you're involved in it, whether you own a business or a seasonal worker, you might actually like this episode. We talked to the co-founder of Team Engine, Carlos Del Pozo, who had a ton of insight into hiring strategies and maintaining workforces during shifting seasons. So make sure you stick all the way through the end to get the entire episode. So enough talk here. Let's get you right into today's episode. Brad, take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast all about weather. I'm joined again with my co-host and fellow meteorologist here at Weatherworks, Mr. Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. Good to be here as always. Um, got another good podcast coming up here, and uh, you know, it's been a hot, uh, hot summer here uh, the last couple of weeks here. But we're always thinking about snow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> always, always. It's always in the back of our minds whether we're thinking about the <laughs> upcoming winter, you know, talking about storms always, you know, as meteorologists, we're, we're all the, uh, the snow weenie types, of course. Um, but you know what? If you're a professional in the snow and ice industry, um, this episode is really just for you. I mean, it, at Weatherworks, we focus again on so much on forecasting a winter storm and getting you the best information as quickly as possible to make these decisions. And while these forecasts are a huge asset to our clients, there's a lot more to winter operations than just weather, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right, Brad. Um, I think one of the main issues that I hear about, um, or at least one of the issues that I hear about when I'm talking with uh, our clients and consultation calls during the wintertime, is hiring seasonal employees. Um, Snow and ice removal companies need to hire enough people uh, to meet their customers' demands, and that's one of the most important things they have to do. Making sure all that clear, all the snow is cleared, and all the ice is uh, treated. However, you know that's a tall task sometimes because these working conditions in in winter storms can be quite brutal, and um, you just need the company needs the right approach here to meet their hiring goals for the season. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about it, there's so many variables to, to hiring. I mean, you know, how big is the storm coming? You know, how many <laughs> people do I need to work? You know, how long are the right. folks going to work? You know, it's it's so many, I mean, just like when we're forecasting, there's a lot of variables involved and same thing goes with snow removal and, you know, employment and, uh, you know, getting rid of that snow. So uh, that's why uh, we're really, really looking forward to talking with our guest today uh, in our podcast. His name is Carlos Del Pozo and he is a co-founder of Team Engine. And they are a hiring platform that helps companies build and retain their workforce. Uh, now, we'll have Carlos dive more into this and about his company. But before we do that, let's take a short break. So do not go away. 
Hey everyone, it's Mike Prianti from the Weather Lounge here, and let me tell you, dehydration is no joke. I went through it myself once, and it's not fun. You get headaches, muscle spasms, cramps, the whole nine yards. But proper, functional hydration is essential for just about everyone. Sometimes, though, water may not be enough, and that's where Liquid IV comes in. They're the number one powdered hydration brand in America, and their hydration multiplier is something you're most likely missing in your daily routine. You don't even have to be a sports professional to enjoy it either. With just one stick, you can hydrate twice as fast than using water alone. It has three times the amount of electrolytes than leading sports drinks, it's made from non-GMO ingredients, and it's chock full of essential vitamins. I personally enjoy the passion fruit flavor, but there are other great refreshing flavors you can choose from as well. So whether you're out landscaping, plowing a parking lot in a snowstorm, heading out for that afternoon jog, or even just feeling run down, Liquid IV is your go-to source for all hydration and wellness. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WEATHERLOUNGE, capital W, capital L, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WEATHERLOUNGE at liquidiv.com. Well, welcome back, and uh, this is the Weather Lounge once again, and we have a special guest with us, and that is Carlos Del Pozo. He is from Team Engine. He's going to talk about hiring during the season of winter and, and getting snow and ice companies, um, all their seasonal workers, and their required workforce. So, Carlos, hey, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit here about Team Engine, uh, how is it cre- How was it created, How uh, founded, uh, what are the goals going on here? Basically, uh, <laughs> give me the company in a nutshell for our listeners out there. Yeah, who is this person and this company? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Team Engine, we're basically, we're a software company and we help companies with deskless workforces, uh, especially in landscaping and snow, but also in construction, manufacturing, and the trades. Uh, and we help them to build and retain these high-performing teams. Um, we started the company in 2018. I started with a few other folks. Uh, prior to starting this company, I had been an army officer. Uh, then after the army, I worked on acquiring a company uh, focused actually on these industries that we serve. Uh, and routinely in talking to owners and those learning about those businesses, I came across this same recurring theme, which was Lots of customer demand, lots of opportunity, fundamentally constrained by labor. Uh, and thinking about myself potentially running those businesses, you know, how would I f- actually solve this problem? Uh, and I didn't see a lot of great solutions, particularly I saw a huge gap from a technology standpoint where other industries were pretty well served in these, you know, in these uh, problems or topics by technology, there was a huge gap for these industries. So I uh, decided to work with some folks to solve it. And we now work with about a thousand organizations uh, and the, many of those in landscaping and snow. Your training in the in the military must have helped in this development of this product uh, for hiring, I would imagine, right? I think uh, the way that it uh, plays into my current experience and, and, you know, work with the companies that we serve is that uh, I think it comes down to empathy with the dynamic of, you know, standing knee deep in something, uh, (laughs) whether it's snow or dirt or 
sand and and you know trying to motivate folks to do good work and and uh, and also you know getting a team like the ones that you know we might work with in the military or you might work with in the in the field in some of these industries and and how do you lead them how do you you know guide them how do you make sure that they are high performing um, you know I am now sitting behind a desk you know thinking about software but I'm thinking about that from the perspective of how do I make this tool something that's going to uh, you know empower these teams and these you know managers and these leaders and these owners to actually take their organizations to the next level um, so yeah I don't I definitely find opportunities to apply the experience of Ranger School to uh, to the business, but um, it's more from like the empathy of being that person on the ground, uh, you know, getting the stuff done. Now you guys are you guys are located in Colorado, correct? We are headquartered in Colorado. That's right. But we actually have uh, a distributed team. Everybody is, you know, we got folks in working in Hawaii. We got folks working in the Northeast, all over the country. Uh, and we're serving companies all across the country as well. Now you do do green season stuff too, then? Yeah, we're we're doing a lot of green season stuff as well. You know, the folks we work with, we do have some companies that are uh, focused on the snow season, but the majority of them are doing green in addition to snow. We have a lot of clients like that at Weatherworks too. I mean, obviously their their main focus is winter and snow removal, but you know, then they they turn the you know the knob over to the spring and you know then they're off to the landscaping roofing and you know what have you but uh it's it's you know it just goes hand in hand but um yeah so i mean looking at the snow and ice industry though as a whole i mean so what makes it so hard to hire these seasonal you know seasonable workers and, and seasonal workers i should say i mean what's what's the hardest part about it uh i mean i i think there are certain parts that are harder than others i, I mean probably the hardest part is that the work itself is inherently hard <laughs> and and so that makes it hard to get people who want to do it but i think it kind of has a a mix of you know a lot of the things that make just hiring uh for something hard broadly so the work is hard yes that's you know uh that's a big part of it it's it's outside it's you know in the middle of the night it's you know it's uh, you know, it's not 75 degrees and sunny with a cool breeze while you're doing this work. <laughs> um, so that's inherently part of it. But and, also and just the, like, I was going to say, and you're at the mercy of mother nature. I mean, it, it's, you can't just schedule, oh, I'm going to work nine to six all this week because exactly. you know, that's what I'm, you know, if it's snowing at 2am, you got to go clear the lot. You know, that's, that's what time you got. And just like us, you know, we can't work nine to six. I mean, a lot of our shifts are very, very dependent upon what's going on with storm systems. I mean, Mike and I, you know, we can probably tell you how many 2 a.m. shifts we did in the last like five to 10 years. It's just, you know. uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about how many of those occurred <laughs> or have lost track of those by this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the other piece is that this is seasonal work. I mean, and so it's, right. you know, if you're looking for work, what do you want? You want, you know, consistency, you want, you know, your your minute to minute, your day to day to be uh, you know, relatively comfortable depending on who you are. Uh, uh, and at the same time, you know, it's not just that it's, you know, only a certain part of the year when you're gonna have this work, but to your point, you're basically on call twenty four seven during that time time of year. So it's just it's a it's a combination of a lot of the things that make a job just you know, a little less attractive for folks. 
And so when it you know when it comes to uh, you know actually hiring or attracting folks to this role, those are the things you have to keep in mind that you need to offset or mitigate uh, to make it an attractive role for folks. So for me, Carlos, um, I used to work in the landscape industry and I did snow plowing, I did snow shoveling, you know, you name it. I've, I've been on that side of the coin also. Now for me, I, I was a young guy. I, I might've been in my early twenties and, you know, shoveling snow or something. I was just like, I just need some money. You know, that's, that's what was motivating me, but it doesn't all come down to, you know, needing some money for whatever bills you got to pay. Um, so what are some strategies that you guys suggest to keep that worker motivated who's going to be out there, like you said, in the middle of the night, uh, sub-freezing wind chills, and just, you know, humping the snow, basically. Yes, <laughs> just absolutely. Shoveling and shoveling. Hey, now, this is a, this is a G-rated show, Mike. Yeah, I didn't mean <laughs> it in that, in that way. I meant um, just, you know working hard through the snow basically yeah absolutely yeah i mean in terms of you mentioned pay and uh obviously like pay is part of it but you know that's one thing that we we broadly see there's um there's both a, a an important as well as a positive shift in the mindset of successful employers around pay or more broadly around how they position their work so, uh, you know, pay is absolutely a piece of this. Um, you need to have fair pay benefits, you know, that transactional component of the job needs to be there. But you have to think the sort of like the mindset shift that that we see folks making that succeed and that we you know try to uh, encourage others to make is to move beyond a transactional mindset about their workforce. Um, because you know it, it leads to a better workforce, but also just in today's labor environment, it's not enough. Uh, you know the dynamic is no longer one where you pay somebody you know the field of dreams for your workforce. You, you pay them, they will come. Uh, that is not the case anymore, uh, and that's not just in snow. That's like in all these industries. Um, so you need to have the pay component there, um, but what we encourage folks is to have it be fair. We don't we don't encourage folks to be like the highest paying or you know to try to attract solely on the on the basis of financial compensation. Uh, one because we don't think that's actually the most effective, but it, to actually attract people. But also two, it makes for like an unsustainable workforce because if you are attracting the folks who are just always looking for the you know the highest dollar amount, that is not a sustainable defensible advantage for your company. So that's like that's just the first piece um that going beyond that something like what i was talking about earlier if you think about some of the things that are tough about this job that make it hard to you know recruit for one of those is just you know that it's like inherently like very uncomfortable and so how can you uh how can you offset that and one of the key ways you can do that is by making sure that you have good equipment the right equipment uh for your team um so you you're making sure to the extent that you can uh that you're giving them the right tools for the job to do the job and also the right tools in terms of you know um yeah making sure that they're as warm as possible and you know they have like a closed cab and stuff like that to make sure that they can be comfortable 
And and that goes a long way, Carlos, because I got to tell you, if I ran into a snowblower that didn't want to start or <laughs> a, a, a shovel that was really subpar compared to somebody else's, um, I know it sounds minuscule, but that stuff yeah. really grinds <laughs> your gears <laughs> uh, when you're already out there and, and you, you want stuff to function properly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things is like in the military is you learn to like, you know, you trust your equipment and if you can't trust your equipment and you're, you know, you're out there uh, at your site doing your work and you can't rely on your equipment to be working, it's, you know, one, it's a bummer if it's just not as good as it could be, but then if you like, you know, it's, it's going to also be a major disruption. Right. I mean, you want to be as as efficient as you can when it's, you know, 15 degrees out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably why a key component would be, you know, keeping those pieces of equipment maintained properly. Absolutely. Maintenance is absolutely key. Um, I think one of the other ones is just, uh, and this one is tough to do and sort of nuanced and takes a longer, you know, uh, term investment, but just having a high quality team, people, you know, high quality people want to work with high quality people. One of the things that we see is that, you know, folks tend to stay at a company longer if they enjoy the folks that they're working with uh, and if they like feel like they're part of a community. So the, to the extent that you can create that kind of sense, uh, that will attract people to the team. Uh, that will uh, motivate your team to attract people onto the team. And then that will allow you to keep those people around as well. So I just, it, you know, it's tough I say it's tough because like when you are kind of have your back up against the wall and you need more folks, you might cut some corners and say, I just need anybody. Um, but, and, and, you know, you got to balance the like short term with the long term there. Cause that's going to be a, the short term benefit is going to be, you have that person, but the long term cost may be, you know, overall degrading the quality of your team. So it's something important to be thinking about. Uh, and the last piece I'll mention is just, uh marketing your job uh you know a lot of folks i see go out there trying to hire for these roles they don't market the job they just tell about the job uh but inherently recruiting and retention is you know just the same as sales and marketing it's just for a different end result Uh, and so you need to apply some of the same approaches to that hiring and recruiting and retention process that you might uh when you're going out and selling and marketing is, is there, are there ways that you can make, like, like you said earlier, some of these jobs are really tough. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is there seems like there's some negative, but are there ways to, you know, when, when you put out the, the job description, are there ways to kind of entice people or make it more attractive than others or something like that? Yeah. Um, I, so I, this is something that one of our partners, Neil Glatt talks about is, is the way that he in hiring for, you know, tons of, uh, folks for snow uh, thought about positioning the role. It wasn't, you know, you don't lead with, "Hey, you're going to be, you know, sh- you know, shoveling, you know, need even snow. You're going to be freezing. You're going to be, you know, you need to lift a hundred pounds." Uh, and it's it's important to make sure that they do, but but you don't want to lead with that. You know, you want to lead with like the ways that you can motivate somebody about the mission and the the job they're going to be doing. And so he tells a, you know, a great story about, 
uh, how he would talk about, hey, like the work that we do, uh, you're going to be shoveling like a parking lot at a pharmacy. Well, you know, whether you do your job or not and the quality of the job you do determines whether, you know, some folks in our community are going to be able to even get their medications. And that is one of the things I think is like very interesting and compelling about snow is that, you know, really you are uh, the line between whether infrastructure and whether like community services are available to the community or not. You can, you really have an impact on whether just stuff works and, you know, people can get to hospitals or get to work or not. So, you know, wouldn't you rather be getting up at, you know, in the middle of the night to go make sure that, uh, you know, grandma can make it to the pharmacy to get her prescription? Uh, if, if that was your mission versus show up with your shovel, you know, have a smile, you know, have a smile on your face and get to shoveling. That's, you know, there's a big difference between the two. And you can see the same sort of parallel when it comes to landscaping, lawn care, and that kind of addition too. Because when I used to do that, you know, you have people who might be in their 80s. Um, they can't do their lawn, but they used to really like to keep it meticulous and very nice and, and cut short every time. So when you can provide that service for somebody and they really do appreciate how nice it looks. I, and, you do and it their how, way. Yeah, it makes them Yeah, happy. and how it keeps their property looking as good as it can. Um, I think there's a lot of reward in that um, for the employee to see that, hey, look at this great job I did. And the customer is super happy. And it's probably important in, in your strategy, too, to, to let those employees know how much they're worth and, and how, uh, how much gratitude the customer is you know, giving to you, saying, like, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that is also part of like the, the shift in mindset about some of this work that we see and that we think is really positive. Uh, a little bit, it was a little bit accelerated during like lockdowns and COVID because this concept of, you know, essential workers surfaced or became like sort of a, a term that, that we recognized and understood. And I think prior to that, you know, uh, there were some folks who thought about this work as essential, as, you know, fundamental to like the, the functioning of just society and our communities. Um, but that was really accelerated when we realized that, we could not have these folks, you know, staying at home. They had to be out there doing this this work. And we see that again. Some of the most successful employers are the ones that they they recognize and they treat the work that their teams are doing as truly something that is like, you know, professional and something that sh they should be proud of. You know, landscaping and green teams who who ask their teams to submit, you know, photos of the work they've done and they're going to have a, you know, a best lawn uh, of the week, you know, contest or like best hardscape contest. And, uh, and it's, you know, so that those teams, you know, feel an accountability for the work they're producing, but also that they can have pride and uh, that sense of ownership in the work that they've done and it elevates their, the work that they do. Um, and, you know, Again, snow is is absolutely, you know, just making sure that stuff works. You see that eight foot snow pile in that parking lot? I did that this morning. 
Yeah. <laughs> you see how tall that thing I made is? That pile. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a different product, which is basically like there's nothing there, but it's uh, versus something, but it's the the end result is the same. Not to keep jumping back to my prior experience, but I remember when I was in high school working um, with the lawn care guys, it, it was a, a group of, I had a group of uh, four friends that we all worked at the same place. So one, you had that great camaraderie um, with the employees and with the workers, because we were all buddies and we all hold each other accountable if something looked bad um, because we were friends. Be like, dude, are you kidding me with that sidewalk? You couldn't put a better yeah. edge on that. Yeah. Um, and then it was, uh, it was the same thing where we would keep each other accountable and I said, and also have pride in our work and, and say, Hey, um, Hey Tom, let's just say, um, look at that edge. I just put on that sidewalk. Do you see yeah. how straight and vertical that is? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, so then we would, like you said, it was almost like you said, submitting the pictures, what's the best looking lawn and, and all that. So it was almost the same sort of idea where I bet you couldn't edge it as well as that. You know, or I bet you couldn't, you know, stripe a lawn as good as that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, and that's the same, another thing yeah. is that when you're like, when you go out to attract a team, and again, why like pay is important and, uh, but not sufficient is um, you want to have folks who have like a similar uh, mindset and value system. And so you want to to figure out what that is for your company and then and then package it and market it so that you're like, hey, here's what we're about. You know, here's like the work that we've done. You know, here's our team uh, spending time together at a cookout. Like here's like the community that we have. That's what you want to lead with. Uh, you don't want to lead with this job is going to be a big bummer. Like, I mean, it's, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not going to be. Uh, if you have like the right mindset about it and the right, and the right team. But I think a lot of, I think that the reason why you still see job descriptions like that, you still see folks posting, hey, this is like, you know, you gotta be able to lift a hundred pounds. You gotta be able to like get up in the middle of the night. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that people fundamentally don't understand the difference between a job description and a job ad. So they advertise the job the way that they describe the job and the and the the way that you describe the job is meant to like inform who you should hire but that's not like the same as a job ad a job is meant to go out and attract that person uh, so i think that's one person is that one reason is that people create like an internal hr document and then they go put it on the internet and that's just like not not a good approach and and i think the second reason is that i think folks have uh hiring managers and employers have been kind of burned by you know hiring folks who turned out to not work out and one of the big reasons that they often don't work out because it seems like they didn't actually understand like the nature of the job so they basically like throw their hands up you know they 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 flip the table and they just say i'm just going to tell them how much it you know how hard it is and i'm going to lead with that and if they're still wanting to do it you know then that's the person i i want to hire um but I would just like ask them, you know, in a in a constrained, tight labor market, you know, the person who goes for that approach versus, you know, the community approach, the like pride in your work approach, 
the like, you know, hey, we're going to give you opportunities for advancement. You know, we're going to that that approach. You know, who are you going to be left with coming and and applying for that job? You might have some good folks, but I think you're going to miss out on a lot of good ones. What about like age groups? I mean, is, what's the differential there? I mean, are we talking like, you know, like Mike was talking about back in his college kids and then maybe, I mean, what, what were the differences? I mean, do you see a, a, a vast difference between maybe like the, the 20 to 25 year old and there's a gap to maybe, uh, you know, the, the mid-age people, then even maybe some retired people that, I mean, is, is that, is there any kind of linkage with, with all that? You know, the, the thing about uh, employment is you want to make it a, an opportunity for, for everybody. Um, but then what you see is in, in different places, you know, just the composition of like the labor market in that location could change. So if you're, you know, if you're hiring in a college town, you're going to have a lot of folks of a, of a college age. Uh, if, you're, if you're not, you're going to have a slightly different composition of workforce Um and so I, I think like, you know, individual companies can each think about what they're like sort of, you know, um, uh, where they tend to do best in finding applicants and they can tailor their strategies to that. Uh, they can kind of like work backwards from, you know, who, what their most successful, you know, employee like profile could be. But one of the things that we really encourage folks to, to do is I think a lot of folks have like a, a preconceived notion about like what that person looks like uh but they haven't really sat down to think through and when i say look like you know what their characteristics are their age all this kind of stuff not necessarily like you know what actually what they look like i mean like what are what are like the you know demographics of that person and i think that if people are just uh have that idea and it's not based on actually like sitting down and thinking about it it's just based off of a, a sort of like a viewpoint that's evolved over time but if they sat down and really thought about uh thought about it, they might come to a different conclusion about how they should go out trying to source applicants. So Carlos, um, I guess the big question here is how do you hire these people? What are the steps to take um, to hire these seasonal workers or best practices or whatever you would like to call it? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about just like how you think about attracting them. So this is, you know, thinking more about now that you've attracted them, uh, like what what do you do? So one of the th uh, there's a, a number of things that we recommend that uh, apply to snow. Some of which, many of which, also generally recommend for these other industries um, as well. the The first one is just to you know make the process uh, accessible. Uh, and so what, what do I mean by that? Um, it's not uncommon that you'll go and look at a, a website for a company and maybe go to their careers page and you know look at the careers page. Get join to, our team. Yeah. Yeah, do the join our team page and you get to the bottom there and it's time to apply and then you get this like laundry list of stuff that you're asking somebody to tell you about, like where they went to high school, you know, where they went to college. Like, give me like your last ten jobs, you know. Uh, tell me, you know. Uh, answer this prompt that would go on a, you know, application for admission to Harvard. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of folks are putting that on there because that's what they think they should be doing. Again, because they're, you know, they're looking to what sort of the, the normal thing is. But, you know, really for these roles, there's not a lot of, like, qualification in many cases that, that you might be looking for. Yeah, you might want somebody who has experience. You might want somebody who's, you know, 
uh, if they're going to drive, they need to have a driver's license and a clean you know, record and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but you want to make it as easy as possible for those folks to at least raise their hands and identify themselves to you uh, so that you can engage with them. So that's the first. The second piece is we, again, thinking back to applying sales and marketing principles to hiring and recruiting, there's this concept of speed to lead. So if you have somebody coming in as a lead and wanting you know, to be a customer, maybe you want to get in touch with those folks as soon as possible. And we find that you know, businesses and business owners pretty generally understand this and, and believe it. But when it comes to an applicant coming through the door, they're fine to wait three days, five days to get back in touch with that person. And the fact is, is that, again, you just don't have that time. You got to get in front of that person fast because the odds are is that they're not just applying for to work for you. They're applying to work for a bunch of other folks. And in these industries, your competition isn't just like the other folks who do snow. Your competition is retail, restaurants, hospitality. You know, you're up against, you know, construction, the manufacturing jobs that we talked about. You just, it's just there's so much. Uh, other opportunity for those folks that they would qualify for. So you just can't be sitting there, you know, uh, saying, well, if they really want the job, they're still going to be here three days later because they're not, uh, unless there's a reason that, like, they haven't been scooped up already. So that's two. The the third is um, you want to, you know, try to give yourself some lead time uh, before when you're going to need these folks. So you want to start uh, building a, a bench in advance. And actually, what we recommend is that you should be cultivating a bench all year, all year round, um, and thinking about how you might go about that. So many of the companies that are doing snow removal, or you know, they're doing uh, they're doing green stuff in the, the rest of the year. Uh, and so obviously, like that leads to a good, you know, uh, bench of talent to transition over into snow. But in addition to just like your normal team, you have the opportunity to, as you're going and hiring throughout the year to be identifying folks who may not come onto the team in the green season, but could be good fits for the rest, for the, for the snow season. But a lot of companies, what they do is they open a job, they get an applicant, they don't hire that person, they forget they ever existed. And I think that's, that's a huge miss for, for companies in these industries. Because these companies are fundamentally running in local markets, you know, you you're not you're not thinking about your talent pool, potential talent pool as you know, everybody in America. You're thinking about everybody within like a certain radius of where you do work. And if you think about it, uh, that pool of talent is potentially you can get pretty close to like knowing a lot of that pool over time. Um, and so if you're just transactionally you know looking at a resume, tossing it out the door you're missing out on opportunity to build out your own bench and database of folks who over time you can nurture and, and potentially attract to come work in, in snow season. But also that, you know, could be the path to somebody else. You know, like, if, you know, if you can send out a message to those folks, letting them know, hey, we're looking for people to work in the snow season, maybe that person doesn't become a, uh, somebody on the team, but maybe they know Yes, that is your that is your entry point into this whole network, and and so if you're just thinking about like one resume in out hire or not, there's just such a compounding opportunity that you're missing. 
Yeah, word of mouth uh, is one of the best ways Absolutely. <laughs> things go around, that's yeah. for sure. Absolutely, and that's the other piece is just, you know, you need to ask for referrals. Um, you know, this the, the thing about this work is because it is not necessarily, you know, nine to five every day, It's it potentially can be something that somebody can do in addition to another job. And so if you have somebody that you're hiring onto the team or bringing onto the team, uh, it's a really good idea to ask them who else they might know because they they might know other folks who did not themselves apply but because they're not looking because they say i have a job but would be great fits and be very excited to do this kind of work so referrals are key and as you know as you mentioned it's just also uh it makes the work potentially better and keeps people around longer if they bring those folks onto the team i guess um my big hurdle, I guess, with the seasonal, the wintertime workers is um, there's always that chance that there's not much work to go around if it's not very snowy. So I, that's a huge hurdle for these seasonal workers that they don't have that steady work. So, yeah. So what are your strategies to try to combat something like that happening? What should companies be doing to reassure people that, you know, hey, it's going to be okay, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing because it may be the case that it's not going to be okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I I uh, I was at an industry event earlier this year, and especially talking to folks, um, you know, in like the kind of mid Atlantic, uh, you know, ish area. Um, you know, they hadn't had much going on yeah. and it hasn't been great for snowfall though. yeah so it's <laughs> so it, the thing is i think i don't know that there's a way to really you know truly like guarantee sugarcoat that yeah the things but but i think that you can again you know acknowledging that this is part of it um you know one of one of the things about you know the fact that this is a seasonal work it, it means that you have a workforce who is going to need other work at some time frame and, and for many of these companies they can provide that in other seasons because they are you know doing landscaping in the other seasons but maybe they're not going to be able to do that during this season so um you know you want to uh, i would just generally recommend that people think creatively about how they can do that and especially in a constrained labor environment where uh just companies need people maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate with you know other companies uh to provide you know, uh, some way to provide uh, assurance and, and to add value for your employees, uh, even if it's not through your work and the pay that they're, you're going to be providing, but, you know, maybe finding other folks who could be complementary to the work that you're doing and the schedule that you're on uh, and would be able to provide work for those folks as well. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying a little bit about you know, there's other seasons that provide more steady work. So maybe that's some sort of enticement that, hey, you know, hang on, you know, we'll have more work for you once the green season starts. Um, you know, if you're doing a good job here, you're always on time, you know, even though it's the middle of the night, you know, maybe they're one of the people who you bring on once the green season hits. Um, and then you can't have almost n normal hours for, you know, several months <laughs> because you can't do much at night then. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But that, all this sounds uh, really great. I hope a lot of our uh, uh, snow and ice contractors, if they are listening, that 
they're getting some good tips. Um, I mean, this this conversation's been great so far, as far as I can tell, from a company standpoint. So you guys are hitting the nail on the head, it seems, at Team Engine. Yeah, no, we uh, we we work with a, a lot of folks in the in the industry, like I mentioned, and we don't only uh, help with the hiring piece, but also we find that you know uh, once you have folks on the team, especially for snow, it's really important to be able to communicate and engage with that team quickly and on short notice to get availability, to build up your roster, to alert folks of an event. And then when it comes time for the event to actually make sure they're getting to where they need to be. And, you know, we support both of those uh, challenges and use cases for the folks we work with. And like Mike said earlier, you know, when he was just with his buddies and they were still working and doing their good jobs and kind of, you know, poking at each other when somebody, it's a camaraderie, I think, when you do get on a team like that. And, and, and you know, you can go have a beer at the end of the week when it's quiet and things like that. And you talk to your, your friends and, you know, they become friends of people that you work with. And, you know, it's, it's just like anywhere else. And, and you want to be a part of a team like that. And I think that that also helps a lot people staying around and maybe if maybe if they do take a break in the summer they don't stay there then they can come back for the next winter and because i did that actually in college i worked at a ski area in the in the winter time and you know i i didn't do anything much in the summer but i always come back in the winter and you know to see the same kind of people and it's kind of neat yeah and the, to the extent that you can nurture that that team in the off season and build the bench for that team in the offices i think that's one of the one of the big things is that um, in the most successful companies are not just thinking about, okay, flip the switch, it is now snow season. They're thinking about uh, snow season year round. You know, champions uh, are, are made in the off season and they are, they are thinking that way. They're thinking about building the bench. They're thinking about cultivating and engaging their team uh, in advance of the off of the snow season they're seeing who's going to be around available and remind them that you know there's going to be all these opportunities asking them to you know start looking for ideas of other folks who can join the team Uh, and so if you're taking that approach uh, thinking about it in the long term uh, and building up a continuous process uh, it's gonna it's gonna pay dividends so uh carlos uh you mentioned bench a few times so that kept bringing me back to uh, uh grow the bench and snow fighters and 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 those teams and i know you work kind of hand in hand with those uh companies so explain that dynamic there um you know how do you help them and you know is it events that you collaborate on uh, how does how does that work yeah we collaborate on events um you know, we we like to attend stuff that Grow the Bench and uh, Snowfighter Institute is is putting on. Um, we we also like to be at events that they are also attending. So you know, SIMA or you know uh, other industry events as well. Um, and and I think the role that we play is you know we work with companies. Uh, we sort of help the same types of companies, uh, but in different ways. And, you know, we can't, you know, uh, train a team on how to uh, train a company, how to build a sales team. You know, that's going to be Neil all day long. And in fact, I believe he's recording a webinar uh, right this minute that uh, with some other folks on my team about that. 
Yeah, no, Neil, Neil Glatz, uh, he's great, and we, we do a lot with him also. And, uh, you know, he's 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 been a, a, a you know, associated with uh, – Great consultant. Yeah, great consultant for WeatherWorks for as long as I've been there. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, almost every year, you know, you talk to Neil at some point, and, you know, he was actually at our um, – Winter seminar, yeah. Seminar. He really went through um, all the ins and outs of what – snow contractors are thinking about you know starting from bids and and all the way through the operations and after the storm and 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 billing um so you know it was really good for our meteorologists to get a an all-around perspective of what snow and ice contractors are dealing with uh on a day-to-day so that we can understand that it's not just the weather um aspect of things that they're concerned about there's all other (laughs) phases that they're thinking um so it was really nice to talk to neil about that and now carlos talking with you um about the the hiring and the strategies and stuff like that i see how that goes uh kind of together absolutely Um, it's just like a big bridge between all the gaps between what we do mike and what Carlos does and what Neil does and it's all under one big umbrella basically <laughs> but you know all these little parts to it I mean it's what makes it all run and, and smooth yeah absolutely it's uh you know running one of these businesses is it's it's tough and uh and there's a lot that goes into it and you know it's it's a pleasure to be uh, a company and part of a community of of folks who are finding ways to enable these businesses to really you know succeed and and do great work uh and it's not just a pleasure to serve these businesses but also to you know stand shoulder to shoulder with others who are trying to do the same thing in different ways so you must take pride in when you hear about that from other you know from folks oh yeah we had a great hiring session or we had a great hiring uh, season you know for this upcoming winter thanks for all you guys do i mean it's like you know I like to hear that stuff, obviously, just like when we like to hear clients say, oh, the forecast was spot on. You know, you guys nailed it. That's all great stuff. It's just, you know, you like to hear that from the folks that you're actually helping and, and working for. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's all about, you know, creating value. Um, and that's how we we do all is by by doing good for for the folks who depend on us. So, uh, Carlos, we're about wrapping up here with the podcast. Um I'm sure there's people out there listening to this um, who want to get more information um, about what Team Engine does, um, where they're going to be at events or something. So let our listeners know, hey, uh, where can I find more information and, uh, you know, where can we find you guys? Yeah, well, uh, you can look us up on the web at teamengine.io. The .io is uh, very important. Um, there's a bunch of information there about what we do, but the thing that I really want to direct folks to is there's a button on the top, uh, linked to some resources. And if you go in there, you're going to find a, a bunch of stuff that we've pulled together, whether that we've authored ourselves or that we have collaborated with folks like, you know, Neil and Phil and, and others on, uh, to make available, uh, for companies in these industries. So there's, uh, for example, there's a package of job descriptions for landscaping and snow on there. There's a checklist for where you should go to post your jobs. There's um, just a bunch of other stuff on there like that that is totally free um, and could be quite helpful for uh, 
for the folks out there. It must be the hardest part for a lot of folks. Just where, where do I start? I mean, wh yes. where can I, you know, find info on this? I mean, and then once you get to that part, it's, you know, it sounds like you guys just take from there and make it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, cause we work with, you know, so many different, um, organizations, we, we get to see kind of really what works, um, and develop a point of view about what the best practices are. And so we try to do our best to, you know, both package those in the software that, you know, folks use if they become a customer, but also uh, make those available through those different resources on the website. Um, so that, you know, cause a lot of folks, um, you know, whether it's like trying to hire uh, for these roles, they're probably not a professional recruiter or, you know, they're not a professional HR person even necessarily. So where do they start? We want to make sure that they can get to at least, you know, uh, a really good starting point so that they don't have to start from scratch. Great. And I just uh, visited your teamengine.io uh, site and saw uh, under resources, 113 ways to find employees. So <laughs> right there, I'm looking at that and saying, well, that seems interesting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you've listened right. to this, I've tried to give you just a few of the, you know, really strong starting points. But yeah. if you find yourself, uh, you know, wanting more. There is a uh, 108 more there on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, just just what everybody needs, of course. Um, so, um, well, Carlos, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. And thank you all. Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. I, I, I liked reminiscing a little bit about my uh, past. <laughs> um, um, well, it's highly relevant. Right, exactly. You know, so that's why I kind of kind of connected right away with that. But um but uh, yeah, uh, thanks again. And uh, that's it for our podcast uh, for this week. Remember, we'll have a new podcast every two weeks. Find us on any of your podcast streaming platforms that you may have or apps. Weatherworks is our parent company, and you can find us um, at weatherworksinc.com and also on any social media platform. Um, so search us out on there. So that's it for our episode, and we'll see you again very soon.